Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. En other off-grid area in Ghana and uh, West Africa. General Manager of the Sumitomo Corporation, Masafumi Tanimoto. Government has been urged to harness the potential of the youth and give them the requisite empowerment in technology in order to make them agents who will win, in turn, yields and leapfrog the economy. This is the country director of Oracle Ghana, Franklin Asari, who believes this will enable the youth leverage the wealth and opportunities. The new age. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Big Data and Technology Affords. He spoke to Insurer Ado in a new episode of the Executive Lounge, which aired this weekend. The metrics we have as far as these uh, young people are concerned, it's not anywhere else in the world. The Europeans are not having babies. We are two, three to most families. Mm-hmm. We just need to harness them right. I think that the day and age where we went to school, worked for one or two employers and retired, those days are over. I think we need to prepare the young people to go to school, learn a lot of IT, become IT literate, mm-hmm. and then work towards producing or making products that are internet products and selling them, working for themselves. This is the new age in which we live. Because... The days of having a job, they are over. By the way, job means just over broke. Mm-hmm. There's very little comfort in that space. Absolutely, you're not mm-hmm. going to make it. And of course, you can watch the full episode of The Best Mind on the Executive Lounge this Saturday at 6 p.m. on the Joy News Channel on Malta TV and Channel 421 on DSTV with a repeat broadcast on Sundays at 9.30 p.m. You're still listening to the Joy Business Report. Now, it's maybe entertainment for you, but for the remaining six participants in the Adum TV reality show, Ejuma, it's a ladder to the top in the fashion industry. Now, in our business journal today, we explore the multi-billion dollar fashion industry and how this show is bridging the gap in it for the Ghanaian designer. Do take a listen. Kempoblo is a fashion designer popular for what he calls his casual trendy designs for both men and women. Business has been good for this young designer for the past seven years. However, most of the orders he usually gets from clients to sew are based on designs copied from international platforms. This, he says, does not give him the chance to promote his unique style. I believe that we designers don't get the chance to put our creativity on what we are doing to actually enable us to get the kind of clientele we actually need so you eventually you have us doing the same thing over and over and over again because a client will bring a picture of someone's um, design you actually need to produce that however all hope is not lost for young upcoming Ghanaian designers like Elikem Pablo a local series by Doom TV dubbed Won Sangwe Jumam Minima de Pam which translates entrepreneurial skill I can sew has created a platform for designers to showcase the original work Elikem the designer 
week after week, the designers are given specific tags and specifications to guide them in creating their unique designs, which are later modeled to a panel of judges who critique them. Elikem is one of the 12 finalists selected for the designing competition. Now, he has a chance to showcase his brand and promote the Ghanaian culture. And that depends show despite the fact that um, it's local, it doesn't matter. They are not looking at your language, they're actually seeing what you can actually do. So uh, I think it's a great platform that everybody can ride on, you know. You might not know social media is very strong, you might not know who is watching. Mark Arthur is also a participant of the competition. Mark, like Elikem, also complains of low recognition, particularly for him as a designer in a less developed community in the Western region. I'm a good designer, but people think, oh, um, he's no good because he's a village area or rural area. But this platform has shown everybody that this guy is really good. People are now starting calling me say, oh, you are doing well because we can see your design and the platform too is a very big platform. Interacting with the six participants left in the competition, it was clear that they want government to do more to support the fashion industry. Benesamo believes that investment from government can help enrich the sector more. I don't see government doing anything like support fashion because I think fashion in Ghana is booming. So I don't think the government is really doing much to support the fashion industry. So I'll advise that they look at that and invest more into the fashion business because it has come to stay and it's booming. Although there is no specific record of the worth of Ghana's fashion industry, it is clear that the industry has a long way to go to tap into the combined apparel and footwear markets in sub-Saharan Africa, which is estimated to be worth $31 billion. Government is here to announce a plan specifically for the fashion industry. However, the Business Development Ministry has assured that it will train young entrepreneurs in several areas, including fashion designing, to help create employment. Dr. Mohamed Awal is the Business Development Minister. We are targeting women and building their capacity across the country. And there are areas like fashion, IT, agribusiness, tourism, communications, media. Building their capacity to make them support grow businesses. And well, for the lucky few who made it to the competition, this could be the start of the journey as international designers. For Joy Business, Karen Dudu. <laughs> Well, and that was Karen Dodo's report there, speaking to the remaining six participants in the Adum TV's reality show, Wonsano Ejuma, and at the, uh, at the Pam Show. Ending the suggestion of the Joy Business Report with me, Charles Aita. Coming up next is the locker room with George Addo Jr. This day. Man. I'm at the bank. Really? But your car is in front of your house. Bro, my bank on my phone, Charlie. Oh, how? Ecobank, bro. With Ecobank Mobile app, I can do everything, anywhere, anytime. Listen, I just checked my account balance, paid AMA school fees, and sent money to my grandma at Wale Wale. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Masa, just download the Ecobank Mobile app from the Google Play Store or the App Store or dial star 770 hash and be your own bank manager. Manager, manager. Whether to pay bills or fees, to check account statements, Send money across Ghana, abroad, and more. EcoBank Mobile app has got it covered. EcoBank Mobile, making everyday people live everyday lives the EcoBank way. EcoBank, the Pan African Bank. For all your sports news, in the locker room.
Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Athletics replaces football momentarily on the continent this weekend as over 7,000 athletes from all the 54 nations gather in Rabat for the 12th edition of the African Games. Sure that uh, they are competing well, they are medal hopefuls. So I think that Ghana is going to see uh, a result saying that uh, they have gotten the athletes there, but in terms of the success, percentage medals won per number of athletes that we have sent will be higher, and we expect it to be higher than in all the other previous uh, competitions. And make sure that everything is set for you. We have 14 teams of Ghana here. All what you need, we will give you. But then what do you do for us? Give us the medals. Will you give us the medals? Yes, sir. Give us the medals? Yes, sir. Give us the medals? Yes, sir. That's all we ask from you. Team Ghana very much in a search of medals in 14 out of 26 sporting disciplines with eyes on leading stars like the world staple chase record holder Beatrice Kepko. Olympic bronze medalist in weightlifting Mohamed Ihab and Olympic Taekwondo gold medalist Sheikh Salah Sisi. Analysis to come. Across the ocean, football action abounds. English Premier League veers into match day two with a top of the table clash between holders and in recent times, a side that could cause them some trouble. Oh, and he can't get to that one. And the club record signing. Tangi Ndombele has a dream debut goal to level it up. Finally, a Tottenham breakthrough. Might come to Kane. Harry Kane. That's all he needs. He doesn't miss those. The top scorer in each of the last five seasons is off and running for the new season. Sterling swings one into the back post. It's pulled by Bernardo Silva running across the face of goal. David Silva is there. Gets the ball under control and strikes it right footed into the net. Here, the ball is played through the middle. Space is opened up for Manchester City. Aguero now 1-2 with Mares. Aguero drives it in. Hits it with pace. It flew past De Gea. City welcomes Spurs to their Tihad. Frank Lampard's Chelsea face Leicester City at the Stamford Bridge. Arsenal play Burnley. Liverpool face Southampton. And we have a special preview to all games to come. We also have our tabs on the French League R, which continues this weekend. Also ahead on the show. Spare man at the far post. And that man is Suarez. And Suarez has scored the first goal of the Classico. Tony Kroos, goalkeeper's lost it. Benzema, Real Madrid back. Over the challenge of Lionel Messi. He needed one second to change the course of the game there. And now 11 men Real Madrid are equal against 10 men at Barcelona. Oh! And from the most unlikely of sources, Ivan Rakitic rockets Barcelona in. We welcome the German Bundesliga, the Italian Serie A and the Spanish La Liga. But place our lenses on the Spanish action to come with perspectives on giants and challenges ahead of the action to come this weekend. Head to Facebook page Joy slash 907. Our WhatsApp line 0243404437. Same on Telegram. Or tweeted us at JoySportsGH and reacting to our questions of the day. We'll be in the United States to bring you updates from the ongoing Cincinnati Masters. And we'll keep tabs on the IWF Diamond Leagues around the world.
Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Ada Jr. And welcome to Review Friday. So thank you very much for joining us. Remember our WhatsApp line again, 0244-340-437. And we need to hear from you. Later on the show, we'll have a short discussion about the men who made the final shortlist for the UEFA Best Player Awards. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi, and Virgil van Dijk. If you have a player you think has been overlooked, like Bernardo Silva or Alison Becker, just let me know. But of course, this is how we start the show this afternoon. So when you hear this track or when you hear the sick tune at 7 o'clock, then our new baby first take is on from the La- Lagoon Bar at the Labadi Beach Hotel. And uh, it's going very interesting as we get to talk about the issues, trending issues. And then we have a great chat with the uh, first company to join us. Of course, the first bank to join us, Data Bank, later this evening. We'll be hearing from Benedict Uso as well. Benedict, how are you doing this Hey, afternoon? George, I'm doing great. Thanks I'm sure you're looking forward to the evening, are you? Of course, of course. We're looking, okay. at, uh, we're looking uh, forward to this evening. The first episode of, of first, first Take. So, first episode of First Take. Yeah. yeah. We are rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's definitely going to be a ball there. You have to join us. Uh, if you can't be at the Lagoon Bar in we'll Salabadi Beach, Facebook. of course, we'll be on Facebook. We'll be live on Joy 99.7 FM. So, you can join in. As always, it's interactive. So, uh, you can join us on all our social media platforms. Let's hear from you it's going it's going to be about trending issues That's what right. you and i are talking about so what you are talking about with your friends in your offices wherever you find yourself and you know nowadays we do a lot of arguments uh, lots of arguments football arguments yeah. uh, athletics arguments so we just bring it on it's going to be fun fun and that's why Benedict is here with you. you remember that we have to begin with athletics here because about seven thousand athletes uh, from all 54 nations here on the continent will gather in Brahma for the 12th edition of the Africa Games from 19 to the 31st of August. Now, that will be a record with host Morocco in a back competing at the Games after missing the last eight editions. So, athletes will compete for medals across 26 sporting disciplines. Team Ghana will be looking to put up a performance though in 14 disciplines. And remember, uh, our performance of the last All-Africa Games, or now we call it the Africa Games, Ghana snapped two gold, uh, five silver and four bronze, making it 11 overall medals. They're 17th overall in terms of position. So we have to quickly get into what the prospects for this year are. And uh, Benedict has been keeping close ups on the team. Ben, thank you very much again for joining me. Okay, George, thanks uh, for having me. So, yes, I know football, boxing, and athletics populated the final list greatly. Should we expect the same return from them? Well, <laughs> it has always been an issue when you talk about African Games, our mm. participation at African Games. You you talked about the statistics uh, from the last uh, one, which I was there in Coco Brazzaville. Yes, yes. Two yes, good really. medals uh, for one was uh, from the Black Queens team, and also uh, we had the other good medal coming from the uh, tennis. Was it tennis? Yes. Yeah, tennis. Yeah. And you know. It was the same thing. We always go there. Preparations are always an issue, just as this one. I remember speaking to the National Sports Authority uh, Director General, that's mm. Peter, Professor Ch- Peter Trimacy, and he talked about how we've prepared very well. I mean, prepared very well in terms of what? <laughs> he, he was talking about, you know, preparations started four years ago after our participation at the last time. Like that four years, what was being done? Yes. Were the players come? Where were the players? Were they taken out for international competitions or what? I mean, you, you cannot start preparations four years before the uh, competition because players would have to go 
through the qualifiers and the qualifiers do not start four years after you mm. have finished the mm. first one so if you talk about uh, preparation starting four years then it's a no-go area preparations of course can start when players you know start uh, with their qualifiers and eventually qualify for uh, the championship yes they, they, they did a bit of preparations in Cape Coast but I, I think that that wasn't enough uh, we knew the, the, the continent that we were taking so we should have started preparations quite earlier I mean all the teams that are coming all the countries that are coming with a huge number of participants started preparations way way before us where, where did a black uh, you know uh, satellite come they come in Pam Pam before they moved uh, to Accra at M Plaza how many matches did they play we understand the African was made to cut his team to 18 18 that means that he's not going to get the full set of players that he's taking to the tournament mm. so now you have to be wise if you're a coach if you're picking three goalkeepers you're picking players that can play in three positions you understand so if you're picking a right back you make sure that the right back can also play at center back you make sure that the, the <laughs> left back can also play at center back you make sure that one, yeah. your your defensive midfielder can play as an offensive midfielder as well the wing uh, player can play as a striker so that's what happens when you do things like that yes i've seen the list 91 athletes we are taking their 14 disciplines one thing that i'm very thrilled and happy about mm. is that you know after the last uh, tournament there was something that we clamored that we should look at the competitions that we are so sure that we can get something we can from. get something it's not just about you know sending so many athletes there but it's about the competitions that will be so sure so, so what are you what are you what, what do you think we have boxing usually last four years boxing gave us our very first medal that yes. was the bronze yeah we are not won any medals so it was boxing that first yes. gave us our medal we always we are certain that boxing will give us something football if well things should go well we also get something from football athletics and then athletics, uh, ex- athletics our girls are there flings flings jimai and all the other guys are there so of course you can also bang your hopes on them to get you at least a medal or two there so i think that yes we'll get medals but we shouldn't you know uh think we should just measure our expectations yeah, yeah. that's no, how we should this one we should measure our expectations mm, and mm. Uh, pray uh, as we always do mm. pray that yeah, pray that we can we yeah. can do better at least than what we did we had 11 medals uh, last no, year the, so the, then the last four years mm. we, we took quite a number of yeah, athletes yeah, there yeah. i mean this time we are going with nine to one nine so to one. if that's anything to go by on on an average then you shouldn't even expect more, less, than five. more than five you yes. understand if, yeah yeah the number of athletes we took to the last one and the number of medals that we won mm. if you are taking 91 then we shouldn't even look at getting more than five medals but i believe that they did due diligence uh, the players He's selecting them. The, the athletes uh, as uh, professor chumesi mentioned the last time he met mm. him in Cape Coast that i mean they believe that these are the they, these are a couple of athletes that can get us something and i i want to believe that they prepared at least the few weeks that they had in Cape Coast. they did enough preparations to you know get us some medals just a final one before you mm. go so we're expecting to see the likes of egypt nigeria south africa algeria to lead the way again clearly yeah, of course uh, I, mean, I mean egypt uh, will always <laughs> will be there the last one uh, they got as many as uh, 140 yes. something yes. medals yes. you understand yes. this time it's in north africa i mean Rabat, they, they come Morocco down they win the medals and you, you know and Morocco it, will be a threat it, it's, in our, it's in our territory yeah. so of course, I mean, they'll win a lot of medals. But what we have to do mm. is we have to go out there and participate and participate very well because we are hosting the next one. Yes, that's more important. Mm. Benedict, thank you very much for joining me. And we're looking forward to uh, all that will happen in Rabat. We'll be coming your way with updates. Benedict will be joining us later uh, tonight when uh, we get to bring you first steak. He'll be having his steak. But we'll have to quickly move on to things here on Joy 99.7 FM. Let's keep hearing from you as well on our WhatsApp line 244 Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. 
So let's talk the German Bundesliga, which returns this weekend. And Bayern Munich will be looking to make it eight titles in a row when they kick off the new season against Hertha Berlin tonight. But Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig are expected to be on their tails throughout the campaign. So with the new season just around the corner then, we'll have to get some perspective on what's to come in terms of the action. Joining me for some analysis now on the locker room, Chris Harrington, who follows the action in Germany, Kinley, and works with DW Sports. Great thank you to you, Chris. And let's begin with the title contenders, Bayern Munich, of course. But last season, most Dortmund fans were made to understand that their team was in transition. Will this be the season to reap the fruits of their patience? Thank you, brother. I'm uh, glad to be with you on the radio. Now, uh, last season was a magical one for Dortmund. No one can deny that. Lucien Favre taking over, reuniting with the captain, Marco Royce. You know, all of the new pieces, Axel Witzel, Thomas Delaney, uh, Paco Alcacer, plus the breakout year with Jaden Sancho, my favorite Dortmund player, by the way. With the addition of Nico Schultz, Mats Hummels, a seemingly improved Julian Weigel from what I can see so far, added offensive weapons in Torgan Hazard and Julian Brandt, Dortmund on paper are even more capable to win the Bundesliga than they were last season. You know, Dortmund getting complacent. That's what scares me. You know, last season, there was a stretch of the season they were dominant. They were first from match day six to match day 24. And ultimately, it came down to a two-point difference in the end. You know, Byron last season won it when it counted most down the stretch. All right. I think the head-to-head will be a split like last season. They both won on their own turf. You know, but Byron basically willed the title out of Dortmund's hand somehow. And that makes me think it could potentially repeat in that way. Um, but seeing the Super Cup recently played out, you know, Dortmund, they look good. You know, unfortunately, Omer Toprak is gone. You know, he, he, he looked really good. He was the most solid on defense for me, but Mats Hummels didn't play. You know, um, this season, hopefully they learn, you know, from uh, the mistakes they made last season. And they'll even be able to watch their own uh, documentary on Amazon Prime, I guess, <laughs> this season because it's debuting, as I noticed. You know, but um, but on the other hand, Bayern might not have a bad defensive season, you know, like they did last season. They conceded 30 goals last season. That's a very un-Bayern number, you know, okay? Yeah, of course, they have to put in their new pieces, you know, um, in terms of the wings filling in the boots of Ribéry and uh, Iron Robin, but the two only combined for 10 Bundesliga goals last season, okay? So, you know, I, I think it'll be tough. Dortmund will definitely have to learn from their mistakes, but, you know, my money is still on, on Bayern to repeat, in all honesty. I know I'm going against the grain. Everyone thinks it's Dortmund's year, but I still think Bayern will manage to find a way like they did last season. So then, which teams do you see competing for the Champions League places? Leipzig, after three seasons, have been giving a very good account of themselves. Can they produce the same? And will we see Bayern Leverkusen grab a spot too? Yeah, Leipzig. You know, now they have their mastermind, Julian Nagelsmann, you know, running things. Uh, they're in a very good position to return to the Champions League. We can't forget they had the best defense in the Bundesliga. You know, they still have, uh, they kept on to Upa Meccano. You know, they winger Adam Lookman signed a deal to stay. They had they added uh, Nkuku from PSG and also uh, an 18-year-old from Chelsea in Mpadu. You know, I think they look really good. Of course, uh, Yusuf Poulsen up front, Timo Vanna as well. Who knows? Um, Nakazman might be able to convince Timo Vanna to actually invest in Leipzig. 
And the reality of it is Dortmund, Leipzig, and Bayern are simply head and shoulders above the other teams. You know, I don't, I don't know if the other teams will be able to manage that gap because there was quite a drop-off last season, and I don't think it'll be much different. Now, you also mentioned Leverkusen. Now, Leverkusen, they barely qualified for the Champions League last season. Three points. They finished three points over Gladbach. And only five points separated fourth to eighth, which is outside of European qualification. You know, uh, I am expecting a better season from Leon Bailey. He didn't build off his first season well. Musa uh, Diaby from PSG should fit the Peter Bosch style of attack very well. You know, uh, Mary from Hoffenheim, you know, should, should add to their uh, firepower. He's doing very well, you know, for the under uh, the younger German national team. But they are missing a man that had 15 assists in Julian Brandt. That'll hurt them, I think, you know. Kai Havitz, a lot of those assists, you got to spread out those assists to who had goal production on that team. You know, um, and Leverkusen, they had the least amount of draws last season. They only win or lose. You know, for Leverkusen to get there, again, it'll be tough because, as I mentioned, it was that very tight gap. Um, Gladbach and Wolfsburg, you have to give them a fighting chance. I mean, having new coaches, both of those sides could be a handicap. You know, but I like the Wolves' chances because I like what the Wolves have done in their new coach. Finally, Chris, seven Bundesliga clubs are beginning the 2019-2020 season with a new head coach, which is the most since 2009-2010 campaign. Hertha Berlin, Schalke 04, Hoffenheim, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Wolfsburg are all in this bracket. How will their different approaches affect the league? Yeah, we saw seven coaches get fired last season. So that seven number, you know, naturally fits. It, it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, had to. I'll start with them. Paul Dardai had to go. You know, Ante Kovic is a homegrown product. He was the coach of Hertha Berlin's reserve team, which means he, he went from fourth, a fourth division team, to a top flight team. Okay, but he is had to Berlin DNA through and through. Anything is possible, but I think they'll end up in a similar spot to last season, right in the middle of things, you know, um, safe from danger, but far from Europe as well. You know, um, even in adding the attack of Luca Bacchio, uh, I think had to Berlin. I think they'll need some time because they do have that money, the investment. So hopefully they'll make more, you know, they'll make better investments moving forward and, and improve their situation. Now, uh, Schalke, Schalke's David Wagner has the most pressure, you know, based on Schalke's results. He went from 14 last season, you know. Um, I like David Wagner, though. He came up under Jurgen Klopp, you know, and we can't forget this magic he had with Hudson Town, Hudson Field Town. You know, uh, we saw them get promoted to the Premier League. Wagner is someone who can build the team with his personality and prove players individually you know he took you know there's a story that he took his players um on a bonding tour where they had to learn how to sharpen up their survival skills they only had basic equipment for a few days and that really added to the team's unity and that's what Schalke are in desperate need of to resurrect you know their reputation and their standing um you also mentioned Hoffenheim now Hoffenheim basically they're dealing with their assistant in Alfred Schroeder you know, he was the assistant under Nagelsmann for a few years. It'll be interesting to see how Hoffenheim does because, you know, they have more than a handful of new players. And, and they're off to a bad start. And that's a problem. Now, the last two the two I'll touch on, you know, obviously Gladbach and Wolfsburg. Now, 
Gladbach and Wolfsburg, interesting situation. They, they finished fifth and sixth in the table last season, respectively. Both sides have Austrian coaches. Now, the Austrian coaching tree has produced successful fruit in the Bundesliga, you know, in, in the past. And, you know, both sides obviously will be looking to qualify for the Champions League. I think, I think Wolfsburg has a better chance than Gladbach. Now, in Gladbach's case, they have Marco Royce. Marco Rose, excuse me. You know, he's successful in the Austrian Bundesliga. He won it twice plus a double. You know, so I think the Wolves, I give the Wolves a, a slight advantage, you know, because they've been um, up and with the exception of that German Cup game, they were playing very well. You know, they were playing very well uh, thus far. If, you know, the new coach's mindset will get them over that hump and put the pressure on Leverkusen and change the order, you know, of things. Because it's been, you know, uh, a while since teams have, you know, been consistently going to to the Champions League with the exception of, you know, Bayern and obviously Dortmund. Thank you very much, Chris Harrington. And we look forward to the games to come then. Yeah, Borussia Dortmund up against Augsburg. That's one that you want to keep your tabs on. And of course, yeah, tonight we've got Bayern Munich up against Hertha Berlin. That's the first game. It doesn't get bigger than that. Let's see where it turns. But now we have to talk about the English Premier League match day two. Just on the horizon. I know one or two of you will be looking forward to what Chelsea can do against Leicester City. But that Spurs game versus Manchester City is another one that everyone will be looking forward to then. So let's go over to the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. I had a great chat with the BBC's Steve Crossman. Enjoy this. Thanks, Steve, for your time this weekend. And Premier League match day two is on the horizon. Talk on that to come shortly. But let's begin with the UEFA Super Cup action we saw in midweek. How impressive were Chelsea despite the loss? Yeah, I think they were good. Actually, I was at Old Trafford for the um, the opening Premier League game when, of course, they well they kind of got battered four 0 by Manchester United, but they they played pretty well for for large parts. And you know, if it wasn't for the post and the crossbar they could easily have, have won the game, which seems crazy when you lose 4-0. And actually, you know, if it wasn't for the post and the crossbar, um, they might have beaten Liverpool without the need for, for penalties, albeit I think the, the decision to give Chelsea a penalty for the, the foul on Tammy Abraham was very, very generous indeed. Um, yeah, I think they were good. I mean, look, they're, they're going to be exciting. Um, the Chelsea fans never had a connection with Maurizio Sarri. They have an instant connection, of course they do, with Frank Lampard. And again, having been at Old Trafford, that the fans, the way they chanted Lampard's name all throughout the game, and they had Frank Lampard banners, they've got something to grab onto there. Something something which links them to the pitch. You know, fans should always be able to see themselves in some context on the pitch. And having a manager who's a club legend really, really helps, particularly when he's bringing through a lot of young players. So... I think there's a lot to be excited about for Chelsea fans. They, they might not have an amazing season. They're certainly not going to challenge for the Premier League title. But they're just going to be good fun. I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes people bang on about trophies too much and forget that like, actually having your team be good to watch is a big deal. So if I was a Chelsea fan, I think I'd be quite excited based on what we've seen so far. 
Steve, are concerns of Liverpool fans down here about the thin squad legitimate following their conservative approach in the transfer window and in comparison to Premier League holders Manchester City? So a big football weekend is approaching and all eyes will be on the first Manchester City clash at their Tehad. Yeah, I think it is a legitimate concern. Um, you know, if they get an injury to one of the front three, Salah, Firmino, Mane, then Divock Origi will be the man to come in. And look, Origi's a decent player, absolutely no doubt. And of course, he, he had two remarkably important moments in the Champions League. Two fantastic finishes. The Barcelona goal, um, which sent Liverpool through to the final of the Champions League and the goal in the final of the Champions League. He also scored some important goals at the back end of the season for Liverpool, which, you know, could have ended up winning them the title if it wasn't for just how frighteningly good Manchester City are. But look, he's not... He's not as good as Gabriel Jesus. You know, Divock Origi is Liverpool's plan B up front. Gabriel Jesus is Manchester City's. And Jesus is a better player. And that's... Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Simplest way to put it. I even think, you know, we were just talking about Chelsea. Um, Olivier Giroud at the minute is plan B for Chelsea. He's a better plan B as well, I think, than, than Divock Origi. And that, that's nothing against Origi. I, there is a part of me that wonders, did Liverpool capitalise on being European champions? You know, you go back quite a few years now when Chelsea won the Champions League with a, you know, a, a pretty average team is harsh but not an amazing team um, and they signed Hazard off the back of winning the Champions League if they hadn't won the Champions League I don't think he would have gone to, to Stamford Bridge so yeah I, I think there is a legitimate concern there and maybe Liverpool haven't made the most out of being European champions but you know time will tell and if those three players stay fit then they'll be fine so a big football weekend is approaching and all eyes will be on the first Manchester City clash at their Tehad. Although this early in the season, how important is a win to both in keeping up with Liverpool have a relatively easy attack at Southampton? This season is different to other seasons in that if you'd have asked me that question this time last year, if City were playing Tottenham at this stage of the season, I would have said, yes, it's a big game, but ultimately the, the result of just one match like this will not dictate where Manchester City are come come May because it's a long season etc etc but if Liverpool can finish second by losing one match that tells you that now in the Premier League you know you, you can't win the Premier League title in August but you can lose it you know it's it's that hard it's that relentless at the top of the league so games like this can have a seismic impact on the Premier League title and it's massive you know but the, the thing that's frightening about Manchester City, I went to see Bernardo Silva yesterday to, to do an interview for the BBC. Um, and he, of course, is an absolutely majestic player. He was on the bench last week, <laughs> which is terrifying. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, it's a massive game. And it's a big game for Spurs as well. You know, they've recruited really well. I don't think they'll challenge for the Premier League title. But, but it's a mark of, you know, the respect that we should have for Tottenham that they're not that far away. So, so it's a huge game at the Etihad, no doubt. Well, Manchester United play on Monday against Wolves. How big a test will this be for Ligana Solskjaer's side despite winning 4-0 against Chelsea last weekend? Yeah, big test because last season, um, 
you know, Man United were completely dominated by Wolves, weren't they? In, in more competitions than just the Premier League, they were beaten by them in the FA Cup as well. Um, I think that's an interesting test because Wolves are basically the same as last season. You know, pretty much all of their business has been confirming loans of really good players into permanent signings. So, Wolves haven't necessarily moved on, but that's not a bad thing because they made such an incredible amount of progress in the space of a short space of time. So, I think what we will get here is a, is a real understanding of, of how good potentially the inverted commas new Manchester United are because they're coming up against the same outfit that they were dominated by in League and Cup last season. So, um, it's going to be fascinating to see, particularly because you know Paul Pogba's performance was really interesting. I thought against Chelsea, yeah, you know, I could hear him getting not booed from the stands in the first half, but every time he got the ball, there was like this whisper of discontent around the whole stadium. And then in the second half, he was brilliant and he created two goals. And all of a sudden, you know, he ripped his shirt off at the end and gave it to a fan. So. I mean, goodness knows what is happening with Paul Pogba. I can't see him leaving now before the, the transfer window shuts in in the major European leagues. But, yeah, I think we'll learn a lot in that game. Steve, which games on match day two will be worth watching? I'm very sure Arsenal Burnley will surely be top of your list. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Southampton against Liverpool, which is always a good game, um, particularly because, you know, sadly for Southampton fans, they've sort of become a, a bit of a feeder club for Liverpool uh, in recent years. Actually, um, a couple of the games that I'm really looking forward to as well, we've talked about Chelsea-Leicester already, but Sheffield United-Crystal Palace isn't normally a game where you'd be like, oh, this could be fantastic. But Sheffield United are a great club, and to have them back in the Premier League is brilliant. You know, that, that part of, of England, people you know might not realise, but it's a proper hotbed of football um, around that part of, of the county of Yorkshire, um, which is my county, um, so I'm qualified to say. And and you know it's a nice stadium, Bramall Lane. You know they have their they have great football chance there, a great atmosphere there, and it's their first home game back in the Premier League. You know they play this this totally different style to what we've really ever seen before in England. They're, they're a fascinating club to watch, um, and you know I thought they showed at Bournemouth that they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Actually, I think all three promoted clubs are going to properly go for it this season, which is going to make for a really interesting campaign across the board. I think. Well, so let's end with the UEFA shortlist for the men's best player. And that was whittled down to Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi and Virgil van Dijk. Were there any notable absentees? I, I get it. You know, Ronaldo and Messi both had very, very good seasons. I'm personally of the, the opinion that, you know, it, really there should be... Sadio Mane should be in it. Of course he should. I mean, I, I just can't find any way around that. Um, I think it's great that Virgil van Dijk is there because, you know, shout out for the defenders. We always just look at the, the bright, exciting, attacking players. But Virgil van Dijk is the best defender in the world at the moment and he, and he totally deserves to be on the list. But yeah, um, I think it's weird that only one player on the list played in the Champions League final. I think there should be more than that. Uh, so yeah, I would agree. I think um, I think it's quite contentious. Oh, Bernardo Silva as well. I mean, I know I've just talked about players who who were in the um, the Champions League final. W- when you look at the season that Manchester City had, particularly in England, there should be a City player in there as well. I know Barcelona had a great season and dominated domestically, and I know Juventus did. But cards on the table, it's harder to dominate the Premier League than it is to dominate La Liga, and it is to dominate Serie A. So. There should have been a City player in there. Raheem Sterling would have had a really good case as well. 
Um, there'll be more names that, that I've forgotten, probably. But, yeah, I would say somebody like Sterling or Bernardo Silva or Sadio Mane. Definitely unlucky to miss out. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. So, La Liga starts in Ernest this weekend and Barcelona will try to carry the mission of defending and winning the third title in a row. Sharpen their squad for the 2019-2020 season. But will Real Madrid's new look team be a threat or Atletico Madrid will find their mojo again in snatching this away from the two? Let's dive into some analysis right now. And Enoch, Fifi, Forsen and Rui Kwampo for join me in studio. How are you doing, guys? We're very well, George. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. It's an interesting combination, but I think we're fine. Okay, so guys, let's then examine how both Real Madrid and Barcelona may be planning to absorb Neymar should they land the Brazil international. Let me start with you, Efsen. And how would it look on the side of Barcelona if Neymar joins? Well, I think Barcelona are going in for Neymar because they know they have seen what he's done before when he was at the club. Three seasons, his combination with Suarez and Messi was excellent. They scored over 300 goals and they have a solid partnership on and off the field. I think this is the main reason they are going for Neymar. But I think Neymar is not needed at the moment because you spend over 195 million euros to boost the squad with the with the coming in of Frankie Dion and Antoine Griezmann. Antoine Griezmann gives you an option up front, meaning you know you had you had you had a problem up front and you brought in Griezmann and Griezmann is one player who can give you goals. So I think Neymar right now is not necessary. It's not necessary also because his work rate is very poor and you don't need a player like Neymar to also be in the same lineup as Messi because right now we all know Messi it's, it's 30 plus and his work rate is very poor off the ball he doesn't track back he doesn't defend so well just like Neymar Neymar also doesn't track back and defend very well and if these two players are in the team they're going to affect Barcelona so Barcelona do not really need Neymar they should stick with what they have Griezmann, Suarez, Dembele and Messi up front Well before I even bring uh, Rico into the discussion let me stick with you FC on that and I'm sure Barcelona are also thinking about the possibility of seeing Neymar play for the enemy against them Yeah that, that would be very that would be very harsh on Barcelona and Barcelona fans would not want that but you, you, you want to compare it to Figo in the early 2000s when he left Barcelona directly to Real Madrid it's not the same it's not the same as Neymar because he went to PSG and he's, there's a possibility of him moving to Real Madrid and so there's a, there's a difference it, it depends on the player where he wants to play according to reports he wants to join Barcelona because he wants to re-establish a relationship with Suarez and Messi but I think the club do not need him mm. maybe he, 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 Neymar said he was he was following his dream or it was he it's was, all over the prodigal son wants to come back why are you reminding him of all of this I know there's some bitterness inside uh, the Barcelona fans and it's going to take some time to, to go away but you have to choose between yes you know the frying pan and the fire itself he goes to Madrid plays against you scores goals against Barcelona or you keep him and manage him I, I don't want to see him at Real Madrid but I don't, I don't think Barcelona should sign should Neymar, sign him. Yeah. Neymar. Let, Rico let me bring you in this uh, discussion as well and, and you, you first give me an idea of what Real Madrid can do with him it looks like uh, there's a bit of room for him there why do you think that for Real Madrid and you know this whole Neymar issue probably going to uh, Barcelona is a safer option uh, because you look at the, uh, the risk there and I think that there's more aversion because he he's worked with these guys before and he does know the system he knows the city he knows the people so assimilating into the squad wouldn't be that hard for him but on the other hand uh, Real Madrid aren't as good as they do look uh, there's so many uh 
plots and there are so many issues amongst the team. Uh, we, heard, uh, yeah, we know the Gary Bale issue and asked you whether Zidane supersedes uh, Perez or is the other way around. Uh, so I think that there's a whole political issue there. Recently, we've seen that Vinicius and Jovic uh, may be demoted or sent out on loan by Zinedine Zidane. So I don't think that Real Madrid are in a position to sign Neymar because they, they do not have a system. We saw Zidane alternating formations every game through our preseason. I think that the season is starting too early for them. Zidane doesn't know his best 11 and his squad is not ready. So it's not an environment that Neymar would enjoy going to. And I think that the situation right now is that he wants to leave PSG and there are only two teams that can afford him at the moment and that's Barcelona and Real Madrid. And if Barcelona cannot make it, uh, then he has to play second fiddle and, you know, join Real Madrid. So let me stick with you then. Let's talk about Real Madrid. And it's a season that starts, yes, they'll be hoping to uh, start well and ultimately try and see if they can wrestle the challenge. But do their problems look too difficult? and maybe are likely to fall off the pecking order? I think that the, their problems uh, haven't been solved. And from last season, clearly, it was uh, something to do with their defence and, you know, shape whenever they're defending. I don't think that they've improved that throughout the preseason. You look at the nature of the teams that they played and... Uh, conceding three goals against uh, the likes of, you know, Galatasaray and all that. And uh, they failed to keep a clean sheet even to our preseason. So I don't think that uh, defensively they've, uh, you know, covered uh, that angle. But I've always said that Zinedine Zidane was quote-unquote successful at Real Madrid because of the amount of goals that he got up front. And he always had Cristiano Ronaldo or, you know, players around him getting 40-50 goals. Real Madrid were always poor defensively. Ramos was always exposed. And, uh, you know, the only situation right now is that they're not getting as much goals. And that's where the trouble comes in. They've brought in Hazard, but, you know, Hazard just came off his first ever 20-goal season. And so... Maybe that's why they say they need Neymar. Score more goals... Yeah, I think so. But Zidane hasn't uh, hidden his, uh, you know, unlike or not so... He doesn't really prefer Neymar. Mm. And he's made that public uh, as to uh, the two of the players. He actually loves uh, Hazard and would love to work uh, with him. But, of course, uh, Real Madrid, as I said, are in a very, very tight corner. So you don't see them holding... I'll I'll come to your top four um, predictions and all of that. But for for, for this one, you don't see them holding down the second place even if Barcelona are going to win this third title. Nah, I, don't, I, I think Real Madrid will struggle to make the top four. Okay. Same way, same way I said United would in the Premier League. I think that this is where the surprise would come from, and uh, I think they would concede the same number of goals that are somewhere around the region. Uh, they would concede a lot in the season, and the problem is I do not think that they can score as much. Benzema is not reliable. Hazard uh, won't give you as much goals. He's not that consistent in terms of that. Gareth Bale who I think could have scored those goals, wouldn't be given as much game time. And uh, Zidane, I don't think uh, coming back was a good choice. And so it's a ticking time bomb that I'm patiently waiting to explode. All right, then let's talk about um, the challenges. Who are the challenges then? Because Barcelona seems to be having this and they've really bolstered the squad. I was just saying in the intro there. So, actually, let's talk about Let's Go Madrid. Now, could this be their season? After Let's Go, I think they are best to finish second because... I think they, they, you look at the signings they've made. They brought in the, the likes of Joao Felix, and the guy has shown great, great, great. He's been very great during the preseason. And you look at the likes of Marcos Llorente, Hector Herrera. All these guys have come in, into the team, and they've shown confidence during the preseason. And I think Atletico Madrid 
a better place to finish second ahead of Real Madrid, finishing behind Barcelona, of course, because I believe Barcelona will retain the title, looking at the experience of Ernesto Valverde and also having Lionel Messi bargaining the goals for, for Barcelona. So I think Atletico Madrid are in a better place ahead of Real Madrid. Okay, guys, let's then quickly do this. Let's get your top four predictions. I think you've probably gone half of it already. Um, I, I have, I have a, a good idea what you guys think will be happening at the top. So, um, Epson, your top four predictions. My top four will be Barcelona to finish first, Atletico Madrid second, Real Madrid, I believe, will finish third, and Valencia. Valencia to finish fourth. Okay, well, I like the way the stress on Valencia. That's it. Oh, Rick, uh, what are you thinking now? See, I'm not, I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but I think that uh, Lopetegui would do better than Zidane uh, domestically this season. Uh, but I think that, yeah, top two should be Barcelona and Atletico. I think that they're the, currently the best two teams in Spain right now. They've both reinforced well, and they should really fight it out there. We saw the gap. Uh, between Atletico and Real Madrid to, uh, in that preseason game where they won by seven goals to three. So I think that would show, and the top two probably would lead the rest of the pack by 12, 13 points. And uh, in third, I think Sevilla would come up there. Last year, Hetafe surprised us, but I do leave that fourth spot for a surprise pack, probably a real Betis, or I don't think Valencia would be anywhere around the top six. Real Madrid may struggle to beat the top four, probably fifth, sixth. So maybe they have to fight for that fourth spot uh, with Real Betis, uh, maybe a Hetafe, or if Villarreal could step up, but Valencia and Real Madrid would be out of the top four. I'm very confident. Well, thank you very much, Rico Ampofo, and thank you very much, Forsen, for joining us on the show. And it's really good to find out what will be happening in the Spanish Liga. Moses Yabwa has got a wrap of what's to come on match day one in La Liga. Barcelona will be looking to make a winning start to their 2019-2020 La Liga campaign when the Spanish champions travel to San Mames to face Athletic Bilbao on Friday night. The Catalan Giants once again proved to be the best team that Spain have to offer last season, while Bilbao ended the campaign in 8th position, 8 points off 4th place Valencia. The new season won't have come around quick enough for Real Madrid, who will be desperate to hit back after a miserable 2018-2019 campaign. They take on Celta Vigo away, while Atletico Madrid get their La Liga season underway on Sunday when they host Hetafe at Wanda Metropolitano. The departures of Antoine Griezmann and Rodri will be tough, but exciting new arrivals such as Wao Felix will certainly benefit Atleti. Record champions Bayern Munich kick off the new campaign and their bid to make it eight league titles in a row when they host new Luke Heather Berlin in the new season opener on Friday. Bayern had two points to spare over Borussia Dortmund in the title race last season and Nico Kovac's side will look to lay down an early marker. Borussia Dortmund tasted success in last week's DFB Pokal Cup against Bayern and will be raring to get off to a winning start in their campaign when they welcome Augsburg into their midst this weekend. Having started the defense of their Ligue 1 crown with a 3-0 win over Nîmes at home, Paris Saint-Germain now make the tricky journey away to Rennes on Sunday evening in Game Week 2. And in England, Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur square off at Etihad Stadium on Saturday evening, having both registered victories in their opening fixtures. Raheem Sterling netted a hat-trick as City thrashed West Ham United by a 5-0 scoreline, while Spurs came from behind to register a 3-1 win over Aston Villa. Liverpool look to continue their winning start when they visit Southampton, and on Sunday, Chelsea, who have suffered two defeats in two games since the start of the season, will hope to finally taste victory in their tricky home clash with Leicester City.
right, all right. I hope you'll, move, you'll be moving uh, this evening. We'll see you there at the Lagoon Bar Labadi Beach Hotel. Uh, we're starting at 7 o'clock, first take. Uh, but we've got a little bit of um, discussion to do now. We have to be quick with in the next four minutes. Rick Wampoff is still with me in studio. Rick, how are you doing? Hi, George. Uh, I'm good. Uh, so let's talk about the breaking news right now and see what it means. Eden Hazard injured for three to four weeks. Is a hamstring, is it? Yeah, it's been phrased as a thigh problem as things stand. Uh, further th- um, tests are supposed to be run. But it so does it look more weeks? Yeah, normally hamstring injuries do tend to be three to four weeks. But the thing about a hamstring is that you never know when it's back and when you're fully back. So you could aggravate it when you come back. So fitness, uh, you know, the doctors and the meds uh, usually tend to slow, slowly ease players back from hamstring injury. So it could be a slightly long spell for Hazard, probably a month or two. Uh, before the right. you know he comes into action, there'll be there'll be more analysis on this, and um, it will be interesting to hear from Data Bank, all the guys in there who are listening to us right now. What you you have to say about that Eden Hazard injury? Two things. Now it means that he's not going to make his debut as expected in La Liga. They're up against uh, Celta Vigo. That's it. But what does it do to Real Madrid and their fight to want to get players like Neymar in? Now do they have to think about seeing if they can rush Paul Pogba back into the club, or they can stay calm and say they can do without Eden Hazard for like four weeks in the <laughs> La Liga? I think. It was just a hazard injury then probably eyebrows would have probably still stayed down uh, but this is a situation where uh, we have Rodrigo out injured Militao is also out injured and we've had the case of Jovic who's returned from his injury through our preseason but Zidane still thinks that he's not fit to start for the club yet so there's a big situation here and with Hazard out injured we could possibly see the same starting 11 that Real Madrid did end the season with last season so it really does downplay on the efforts that Perez has put out there this summer transfer window. And I think that with all these injuries, Real Madrid may as well just put one last dive into the transfer window. Uh, with Neymar possibly moving out of France this transfer window, mm. this could be their cue. I remember that they're in the battle with Barcelona. So with Neymar out and uh, with Hazard out, yeah. uh, possible bad result against Celta could really spark a really big domino move. Now, now Bill, Ishan is a Real Madrid fan. Thank you for joining me uh, in studio as well. Bill, so then, you need Bill all of a sudden right now, do you? Yeah, uh, it seems it's now very likely that Bill would have a shot because Zidane uh, trusted, Zidane banged his trust on Eden Hazard as his talisman. Mm. He's, he talked about him a lot of the time in press conferences, praising him and all that. Now he's injured for three to four weeks and without him, he has to find replacements. Rodrigo is out, uh, Vinicius is around, but he has to figure out whether to put him on the left or on the right. Whatever the case, Bill has to come in and uh, help the team now because he doesn't have as many uh, wingers around. Yeah, as is also out. So yeah, that, that's where it gets tricky. Um, <laughs> now you want to rely on someone you totally rejected? Yeah, now... now <laughs> <laughs> and you're now, hoping now, that he stays professional? Yeah, now he's backed into a very big corner. He shouldn't have made that statement earlier in the summer about uh, Bill wanting to leave, about it being the best for both uh, the club, him, and then the player himself, he shouldn't have made that statement. Now, it's going to come back to bite him in a very, very... Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, 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 and Rick, just in 20 seconds, <laughs> if things don't go well, 
He'll be likely like what Zidane will be moving out of the club before Bale does. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that prediction though, but I th- I still think that the reason why Bale is at the club is that he thinks he may outlive Zinedine Zidane for a second time. <laughs> so we're yet to see. But of course, we know Perez. He snaps his fingers pretty quickly, and he may probably do so mm. uh, before we could even as faster than we could even imagine. So it's a big season. Zidane needs to start, or huh. you do not want to get into the bad uh, you know pages, especially in the newspapers and. That that could bring some pressure upon him. So all the best to Madrid and Zidane. Um, hopefully he's able to pull some magic with our hazard. Thank you very much, Rayquan Popper. Thank you very much, Bill. Uh, it was really short. Of course, you have your first take later yeah. at the Lagoon Bar, uh, Lavada Beach Hotel, and uh, we'll be in there with Data Bank. It's good to have all of you uh, on board, and it's great to have this show running. On Sunday, we're coming away with live commentary, uh, English Premier League game. That's Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea versus Leicester City. Very, very important. Chelsea versus Leicester City at the Stamford Bridge. We want to see what Frank Lampard uh, would do in that. That's it for our show. Uh, till we meet next week. Well, you have to be good. And see you later this evening. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado. Para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.